Hi guys and welcome to Murder Most Gruesome. My name's Andrea. And I'm Yvonne. And just wanted to start the podcast off by thanking everybody for this part and for listening. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you would like and share us, please just show us the love. Yvonne, you are going to do today's podcast and it's on the Templeton Woods murders. So do you want to take us away, Yvonne? Yeah. The case we are covering today in our podcast are two of Scotland's most notorious unsolved murders and actually led to one of its largest manhunts of all time. Wow. And just to go back to our Facebook um, and Instagram pages, a lot of the things, the cases we cover, I, I actually post pictures or appeals onto, the, onto that page. So it's really interesting to go have a look I've just finished doing, you know, we did the Kate Bushell and Bryant murders. Yeah. There's photos of, there's the appeal photo that Exeter Police published, the murder scene, um, an aerial view of the scene where Lynn Bryant was found. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've picture seen that. Picture of her. And if people haven't listened to that podcast, it's well worth a listen. I think it was the last one we did, so episode five, I think it was. The murderer, actually, four years after Lynn Bryant's murder, came back and placed a, photo, a, a, a pair, of glasses. Pair, pair of glasses, that's right, at the scene and they were handed in to police and there's a photo of those glasses. Yep. So yep. a lot of the things we talked to, one of the, problem, one of the things with podcasts is you don't get the visual. So, no, and, and with this, with the photos on Facebook, you can get to kind of like you see the pictures of the victims so it's nice kind of like you envisage them but it's nice to like look at put a the, face, put a to, face the to the name and the identikits sometimes you've yeah. got those on haven't you i have yes sex worker carol lannan went missing from the streets of dundee and her body was discovered in templeton woods in scotland the next day a year later elizabeth mccabe was found dead 150 yards away from the place where Carol was found. Elizabeth had disappeared after being out drinking in Dundee city centre and the murders became known as the Temple Woods murders. And as you can imagine, people started to panic that there was a serial killer at large because I think there were about 11 months in between both mm. murders. Although some police have been reluctant to link the murders, they've not officially been linked, but there we go through the... We'll go through both cases. So when was this again? I don't know if you... Uh, this was in 1979 oh, that right, okay. Carol was murdered and 1980 when Elizabeth McCabe okay. was. I mean, a good 40-odd years, years ago. ago. So police haven't officially linked them, but as, as I talk about them, there are loads of similarities. I personally think that they are linked, mm -hmm. but that's just my opinion. So Carol Lennon was 18 years old and from Dundee in Scotland. So, and she was a, sing, a single teenage mum of a three-month-old baby called Derek. And she'd actually had to turn to sex work to make ends meet in 1979, although her family have always disputed that she was a sex worker. Right. On the evening of March the 20th, 1979, she left baby Derek with her brother Mick to babysit and she went to work in Dundee's red light area. Eyewitnesses saw Carol getting into a red Ford Cortina on Exchange Street. So this is like the red light area. Right. Um, near Dundee City Centre at 8pm. 8, 8 
So this area was at the time considered to be the city's red light district. This was the last time she was ever seen alive. To get to the uh, to the city centre that night, she actually been picked up from her home in Hill Street and taken there by a ta- taken by a taxi to the centre of the city by Commercial Street. But police could never trace the driver, so he didn't come forward. Right. Did, is that who they suspect? Well, we'll go into that. Right, okay. We'll go into that. This is what I mean about the case has been that's that's the thing that connects these cases oh, or okay. seems to connect these cases. So they did appeal. They knew she'd been picked up by a taxi and appealed for him to come forward and he just you know, then he never, he never did. did. She was found naked and had been strangled to death the next day in Templeton Woods, Dundee. Now, it doesn't actually say anything about her being sexually assaulted, although being found naked is is a... Indicator. Is an indicator. And actually, out of the two cases, I didn't find that much about Carol. Oh, okay. So there are two women, these cases, which I think is linked, opinion, but I do... They there's a lot more about there's Carol who is a sex worker and Elizabeth was a nursery nurse and there's a lot more on Elizabeth so I mean obviously I I don't know the reason why but you know it makes you wonder they always there's always that um, bias they, yeah, yeah, or biased. you know as a sex worker they're not as Dean, that their life isn't as valuable. Yeah, isn't as valuable. It's absolute trash. It is absolute trash. And I did, as I was researching these, I did feel like there wasn't as much on Carol. I couldn't get as in depth with her. It makes you uncomfortable. It does. That makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, it does make me uncomfortable. Like it wasn't a, you know, there's a lot more on her. Uh, there's a lot more on Elizabeth Nursery Nurse than there was on Carol's. That's obviously that's the reason why it's not my my writing. It's the fact that there's just the sources weren't there. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't say about um, that she'd been sexually assaulted, but being naked is is a big indicator, as we've said. So she was, so she was found dead in Templeton Woods, Dundee, and then eleven days after her body was found, her handbag was mysteriously found at a remote location on the banks of the River Don in Aberdeenshire, which is about roughly 80 miles away from Dundee. Right. So it appears to have been washed up, and inside this bag, police found her purse containing money and an allowance book for a child, a family allowance book. I think they call those in it. They used to, they don't do it any, they don't call them that anymore, but... Where in those days yeah. it was a family allowance book and you took it to the post office I think and every week every yeah. week and you got your you know your child allowance now her father Norman only found out that she had died when in a new look into the case in 2004 police called at his home in Bradford West Yorkshire which is a couple of hundred miles away. Not far from actually where we live. We are, we're from West Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. But they called to tell him and, and to interview him um, in 2004, a cold case review, and he didn't actually know she were dead, let alone murdered. In 2004? Yeah, in 2004. Oh, my God. Yeah. Apparently, Mr. Lennon had split from his family several years before the murder and was obviously shocked to hear about her death. Now, he hadn't been in contact, obviously, with Carol or any other members of his family since he returned to Yorkshire. Now, his family in Dundee actually believed him to be dead. He, has, he told the Herald newspaper, Two men knocked on the door and said there were police from Dundee. They asked me if I was Norman Lannan and if I had a daughter called Carol. They said they were here to speak about her death in 
1979. Now, I didn't know about, about that it was a shock. You'd think someone would have told me earlier. He also said that the detectives, seemed, which you would seem surprised, he had not known of the murder. Well, yeah, it's, it's bad for him they didn't find out, but if he's willing to let 22 years pass by exactly. without contacting his daughter, then yeah. he's got, that surely robs him of any opportunity. I thought that as I read it. And, and also what I thought was, if he'd have done even the most basic of searches on her name, Oh my god, yeah, you'd find out. You yeah, would yeah, find yeah. out, yeah. So you... it's not even as if he's like kept tried to keep tabs on her. Yeah, or, yeah. I'll put a name in. See if you'd have put a name into a search engine, um, like anybody. If you put a name into a search engine, the cases, the the obviously the pages from the. Um, Although I don't think in two thousand, because I was two thousand four. This twenty two thousand and four. So yeah. I mean, I was twenty four then. It wasn't. Mm. Certainly, there's only so much you could do. Yeah. He had come to the Dundee area because he was actually serving at RAF Luchas. I think that's, uh, I've pronounced that correctly. If I haven't, I'm sorry. But actually, returned to Yorkshire after what he said had been a, a family breakdown and he had never been back. So, did he marry the mother? Can no, mother? I don't think so. No, okay. So, he last saw Carol when she was about 10 or 11. And admitted, if my sons came in the door now, or if I saw them on the street, I would not know them. Oh, so there's more kids. Yes, so there's more kids. So, although the detectives were able to give him some details about the murder, imagine that. That would just be me, that, if I was a Knock on the door, expected it to... It would be a difficult conversation. You're visiting the parent of a murdered um, woman. But... To, for him to, to say to what, break the news. Yeah, to actually break the news. Yeah, without realising you're breaking without, the news. Yeah, without realising you're breaking the news. You know, what do you mean? <laughs> the detectives gave him some details and Mr Lannan then actually contacted a newspaper to ask to be sent cuttings to help fill in the blanks, saying, quote, whatever happened to Carol, I couldn't have stopped it. Oh, wow. No. Clear conscience, then. Well, it just goes to say she might not have been in the position she were in if she'd yeah. have been if she'd have been a part of her life. Exactly. Who who can say? I don't think you can say that. And now Carol's mother, Christina McCluskey, raised Derek as her own. So that's Carol's son. Three, he was three months old when she was murdered. She so she raised Derek as her own, and has since spoken to the press in the he has spoken to the press in the forty four years since his mother was brutally murdered. In 2016, the then 37-year-old, so he's 37 year old, spoke publicly about seeking justice for his mother. As I've got older and learned more about the murder, I wanted closure for my gran. She was devastated by it, and over the years, her hopes had been raised, the killer would be found, then crushed again. She passed away in 2011, and I've struggled to cope with her death. I just wish someone who knows something would come forward so they can both rest in peace as they deserve. Oh. In 2020, a senior investigator on the case told Scottish TV News that the murder could be solved. However, there are no plans to reopen the case. No. Mm. That is what I've got from the looking at all the information about Carol. Mm. And so you'll see it's quite, it's not much in depth. I've not talked about it much. This is what I mean when I say it's very light in, in you know, when I was looking through the sources. We're going to go on to the murder of Elizabeth McCabe now. Okay. The day before her 21st birthday, 
nursery nurse Elizabeth McCabe was, at, was found murdered in Templeton Woods. And she was described by her mother as a quiet and shy girl. She had left her home in Lindes Avenue, Lockie, for a night out in Dundee with her friends on Sunday the 10th of February 1980. When she failed to return home, her parents were worried, but they did not contact the police straight away, Mm -hmm. as they actually mistakenly believed that you had to wait 24 hours before contacting them, before reporting her as a missing person. Now, her brutalised body was found 16 days later... So it's, you know, just over two weeks of yeah, that's a yeah, long, a long time. time. So it, it was found sixteen days later in Templeton Woods. Her mother giving evidence in the trial of Vincent uh, Simpson, who was quite a while later charged with the murder and went to court. Told of how her and her husband had gone to bed that that night, with no concerns about her, saying. Quote, she had work the next day, so I presumed she wouldn't be too late. On the stand, she recalled how she had gotten up at 6.30 the next morning and had gone into Elizabeth's bedroom, noticed that her bed had not been slept in. She says, I didn't know what to think, really. I was totally, it was totally out of character for Elizabeth and I was very worried. I was anxious all day. So her family went to the police and then at the same time was searching streets and pubs where she may have gone. And also they looked along Dundee's riverside, fearing their daughter might have fallen in and drowned if she'd have been a bit drunk. Yeah. Days of waiting at home, because don't forget it was 16 days between her going missing and her body turning up. So her father, it just became too much for him, just sitting at home waiting for word. And Jim which is the father's name, walked around the city centre, visiting like the spots that she liked to go to, the bars and the pubs, in the hopes of finding some sort of clue to mm. his daughter's whereabouts. So police turned up at the house while her mother was actually at the wood out searching, and when she returned home, the police told her they'd found a body. Now, her father had the grim task of identifying her body and before the police came to her house again, and showed her a jacket, a pair of pants, a pair of tights that she actually identified as belonging to Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Feelings were running so high in the city that a bounty, quote, fund, started by a local councillor, soon swelled to 5,000. Don't forget, this is in 1980. You could buy a house in, well, Yorkshire and certainly Scotland for that you know, three-bedroomed house, I think. But it failed to produce any significant leads and the money was actually repaid back to the people who had donated it. Going back to her mother giving evidence at the trial. Now, during the trial, she told the court that Elizabeth was the oldest of her four children and that she'd never been a worry and that she she always caught a bus home or alternatively a taxi, so she wouldn't have just got into the car with a stranger. One of Elizabeth's close friends, Sandra Niven, who worked with her at the nursery, uh, described how Elizabeth had told her how she'd gotten into a car after a night out three months before she she died, thinking it was a taxi, and that the taxi driver had taken her out to the back of beyond. Oh my god! Nothing I don't think had happened, or certainly nothing I could I could find in when I was uh, reading up about this case. 
and even a friend said she hadn't gone into great detail but had actually been very upset about it can you remember though that happened to me mum yeah so she our, did so our mum got into a taxi one night and they drove her and he instead of driving her home the taxi driver drove her to kind of like a field, a field. like a turn into a field yeah so pulled up at the gate and just sat there and obviously, my mum was kind of, obviously, scared. And she said, you really need to take me home. My granddad was a police officer, wasn't he? Yeah. And she said, you need to take me home. My dad's a police officer. And if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. So he did. He took her home. Yeah. But, like, What would have happened then, if she'd have been drunker or yeah. more incapacitated? Yeah. But my mum would never take a taxi on her own again, No, she, she never would. It really, it really upset her, really, like, freaked her out. Yeah, I bet you feel so vulnerable yeah. all of a sudden. Well, I've been in a taxi and the taxi driver's turned around and started touching my knee and running his hands up my leg. <sighs> and it's just, it's horrendous because you're so vulnerable. Yeah. Well, actually, and I'm jumping, I'm jumping ahead of myself here, the man who they arrested and took to court was a taxi driver. Right. So she'd been very upset about it. And since then, had always got into taxis with lights on the top. Yeah. And a friend also described how Elizabeth had been mistaken for a prostitute shortly before she'd vanished. The friends had had a laugh about it over the coffee the weekend before she went missing and Sandra Niven said that Elizabeth was shocked about being propositioned in the Oriental bar and that nothing about her behaviour had justified the approach. And in fact, this friend was out with Elizabeth the night she went missing. Sandra? Yeah. Right. So Sandra Niven, the one that she worked with her at the nursery, and said she felt guilty about not sharing a taxi home with her that night. They'd become separated when Sandra had gone to collect a coat from the cloakroom, and she she went and got it and was expecting to find Elizabeth waiting for her at the doorway of the club, nightclub, but she wasn't there. So she tried to go back up the stairs to check the toilets, she went to check a nearby taxi rank, found it to be really crowded, but with no sign of Elizabeth. She looked up and she tried looking up and down the street and after that just assumed she'd gone home. Mm-hmm. Now Sandra then took a taxi to an ex-boyfriend's house who she'd been talking to earlier in the club and she described how usually they would have gotten a taxi together and that she'd have dropped Elizabeth off at home before going on to her house in the taxi. Now, talking about that fateful night, she told the court how they'd been to several pubs on the evening of the 10th of February before finishing their night at Teaser's nightclub. Described how she said how that Elizabeth was a bit disappointed that night as a boy she'd been involved with wasn't there and that she was, at some point in the evening, she'd been crying in the toilet because she thought that nobody liked her. And Sandra had said she, Sandra had not seen a friend like this before, and it was out of character. Oh. Sixteen days after she dis- after she disappeared, Elizabeth's naked body was found dead in a small clearing in Templeton Woods. So this Templeton Woods is on the outskirts of the city of Dundee. Right. By two men hunting rabbits with their dogs. In their statements, James Cochran and his friend. James Fleming described how they'd briefly lost sight of the dog and tracked her to a small clearing and the dog was just stood there standing and sniffing about. He, I'm not quite sure which one of these, uh, you know, gave the statement, but I saw, I just saw a pile of branches and there was something underneath, so I pulled them off. 
they had all been placed to cover the body. So at first, he didn't realise immediately what it was and thought it was a mannequin or a dummy laying down and he pushed it with his foot and then only realised when his friend started to scream. She was found with a dark blue jumper draped over her shoulders and a pile of branches had been placed on top of her in an attempt to conceal the body. Right. Now, a post-mortem revealed that Elizabeth had died from asphyxia caused by compression of her neck. Professor, who was asked to review the evidence again when the case was reopened in 2005, concluded that her death would have been quite sudden due to vagal inhibition in her neck. And he, he suggested that she may have possibly been killed during a struggle or a sex act. Investigators found two witnesses that reported seeing a Ford Cortina Remember? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there was a... Blue fog container. Oh, was it? Was it blue? Yeah. It was... I think it was a red... Well, it was a red fog container oh. that Carol was seeing last getting into. Yeah. So they saw a fog container with a taxi sign emerge from a road which led to Templeton Woods on the night that Elizabeth disappeared. And the driver was actually driving... Was steering with his wrists as if he had something on his hands and he didn't want to touch the steering wheel and get it dirty. They also said it was a taxi of Vincent Simpson who ran a local taxi business and he drove a Ford Cortina taxi at that time. So Simpson was obviously taken in for questioning by police and said he had been out in the woods that night walking his dog around 10pm and he also claimed he had gone back to steal a car he had seen in the woods before. Between the time Elizabeth disappeared and late February, some of her clothing was found at Cooper Angus Road in the city near Kingsway. So two months after the murder, on the 2nd of April 1980, some of her jewellery and a photo belonging to her were also found in Cobden Street. And then some weeks later, shoes were also found in this location. Right. So this is what I mean about them being a lot of similarities. Yeah. The it, I think that's quite unusual to have a murderer that goes back and places clothes. So that's what they're suggesting he did. Because yeah. they couldn't find it before. They're suggesting yeah. that... It would take him from the scene. Periodically, he'd go back yeah. and place items of their clothing. Yeah. Okay. The Courier newspaper reported on how the 1980s original investigation was undermined by a litany of blunders by investigating officers from mishandling, evidence, mishandling of evidence to alleged life on Mars witness intimidation. And as they became increasingly desperate to catch the killer, or killers, Officers even turned to the spirit world for guidance and went to a medium who provided them with some information at a seance. They actually interviewed more than 7,000 people and police actually visited every hotel, bed and breakfast and boarding house in the city. The case was reopened in 2004 and they looked at the DNA sample that they got Police briefly thought that this was one of seven cases linked to serial killer Angus Sinclair. He was, a, with him being the prime suspect, however, he was subsequently um, convicted of the World's End murders by DNA evidence. And police then discovered that he'd actually been in prison when both murders had occurred. So. Right. 
you know, obviously they did think they didn't think it was him. The reinvestigations of two thousand and four meant that Elizabeth's case was reopened and DNA profiling was performed on items in a murder case. New public appeals were made and there was two calls from the public regarding the behaviour of an unknown taxi driver who was working in the area at the time, which is 1980. Now, in 2005, police arrested a Vincent Simpson, the taxi driver who had been a suspect in the original investigation, and they arrested him at his home in Camberley, Surrey. So he'd moved down to Surrey, which is hundreds of miles away from Dundee. Now, he was charged with the murder in 2005 and his trial then began in 2007. In Edinburgh, 2007, his trial began and he had previous convictions, but they were mostly for petty offences, like theft in 1967, going equipped to burglar and theft in 1977, fraud, making a false statement to the police in 1981. So quite a few things then. Yeah. So, quite a few things. Unfortunately, the jury did not hear of these previous offences, as under Scottish law, previous convictions can't be heard in court. And I know we mentioned Angus Sinclair. There was something, I think, in his murder trial about that. Yes. And they actually invoked the double um, the double jeopardy to put the case forward again. So, the, the jury didn't hear these. The defence was unsuccessful in getting the case thrown out of court in the early stages, claiming that he wasn't able to get a fair trial as because it had been such a long time ago, and this is 2007 and the murder happened in 1980, um, of Elizabeth McCabe. So he was arrested for the murder of Elizabeth McCabe, not both of them, right. just Elizabeth McCabe. Now, it, some of the people, the witnesses had died or police were unable to contact them to find them. Now, and some documents were missing. Yeah, feeds back to the whole, the original investigation. And I think we'll mention this later, but the original investigation, there was a lot of things that maybe could have been done better. The judge rejected this, um, claiming that while the passage of time since the murder had caused disadvantages, he was not convinced that a trial would be unfair. So Simpson was also charged with breach of the peace as he had approached women in Dundee at around the same time as the murder and caused alarm and distress towards them. He also admitted to the police when they were uh, interviewing him that he was a peeping Tom at the time. Okay. So he he had been peeping Tom and as you know from watching all these programmes and police investigation programmes that sex offenders and murderers, they, they don't start with that. They start with minor crimes and they build on. Yeah, yeah. And I always think with people, yes, he was convicted of those crimes and he had other crimes. There's surely some crimes he didn't get charged for as did. well that he did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's just my opinion. Leaning on from the peeping Tom, Tom statement, he was actually working as a window cleaner when they arrested him. I think that's just a really creepy aspect of him and what an amazing job for a peeping Tom, a window yeah. cleaner, looking into your windows. I think as well that you can see a lot of people who would be able to see maybe whether a man lived there or not, yeah. 
I suppose you get a lot of information looking through yeah. people's windows and looking through your bedroom windows as well. I don't have a window cleaner for one of those reasons. Mm. Mostly because I'm untidy and I just feel like he was judging me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so during the trial, the court heard that the DNA that they'd found on the jumper that had been draped over Elizabeth's body where, where she was dumped very likely came from Simpson. Now, there were swabs taken from different areas of the jumper and they all matched the DNA profile of Simpson. So there was a sample taken from the right-hand side of the jumper and that was one in 32,000. And there was um, from the back of a jumper that was one in 105,000 that it belonged to him. Now, there was also a hair found on the bag used to just transport her to the mortuary and this also matched his DNA and the test indicated the chances of it not belonging to him were 1 in 1,300. So, of, so altogether, the combined odds were 1 in 40 million that it didn't belong to him. Now, under oath, during his testimony, Dr Jonathan Whitaker testified that, in my opinion, these DNA profile results provide extremely strong support for the assertion that the DNA recovered from the hair and the blue jumper has originated from Vincent Simpson. And when asked so and when asked about the profile from the jumper's neck, Whitaker also said, This result is of particular significance since DNA profile result is what I would expect to find if Vincent Simpson had grabbed the jumper in the area of the neck, thus transferring his DNA to that area. Right. Simpson refused to give evidence at his trial. But the defence claimed that the DNA evidence was contaminated. So they made a lot of the fact that the hair found on the bag had not been found earlier. Right. So they also claimed that the DNA was tainted because at the time there was, in their opinion, only three labs in the world that were advanced enough to carry out the techniques used to examine the evidence. Because although it's 2007, it was still... It's still quite a big undertaking well it still is i suppose but it's a big undertaking so they just collected the dna and tested it years later yeah right but said that there was only three labs in the world that was advanced enough to carry out the techniques and so it was that they, they no it. no it was difficult to check the results right so they found it hard and they said it was difficult to check the results because there's only three labs in the world that did it right so the defence also claimed that the police wrongly focused on taxi drivers straight away, claiming that they feared that Elizabeth's killer had also killed Carol Lannan and they were really worried the serial killer was on the loose. Now, Simpson's alibi saying he was either at home working in his taxi around the Dundee area or at a local casino when the murder took place, which is a bit odd. You'd think you'd pick one and try and stick with it. Um, the, so he changed his mind, or that's what he claimed that he was doing all in one All night. three, yeah, I right, think. Okay. It doesn't make it clear in the, in, in the sources and the newspaper reports I've read, but I think he must have been at home, then gone out in his taxi and then ended the night at the casino. Right. The casino doorman had been questioned as part of the investigation and he didn't remember seeing Simpson there that night, but Simpson had actually rung him to try and pressurise him into saying to police that he'd been there that night at 1am. Yeah. The doorman told him he couldn't do that as he didn't know him and could not remember seeing him. So 
you know, power, power to that yeah, person. Absolutely. Now, the detective strongly denied that they had, there had been any contamination of the evidence, with a Detective Kennedy saying that, my recollection of that exercise was that we took every possible step to make sure that there was no chance of contamination. Right. In his statement to police, Simpson admitted walking his dog in the woods the night she died and had returned there later on his way to another fair. So he was in the woods twice that night. As well as being at the casino, at home and in his taxi. Yeah. Okay. Jurors during the seven-week trial were told of a litany of missing evidence and there's a lot of evidence that had gone missing. These included samples taken from uh, Elizabeth's tights and pants, which obviously deemed to be quite important, significant items, and a bank, incredibly, a bank bag thought to contain forensic evidence was found in a box related to the murder of Carol Lannan. So different evidence were found in different parts, in different people's boxes. Right, okay. I think the police... Say that it was mixed up. Yeah. And once you start with something like that, it's a reasonable doubt, isn't it? It's yeah, a little yeah. doubt in, you know, in, into jurors' minds. Now, at the end of the trial, the judge advised the jury that they must not convict Simpson on the basis of DNA alone. So, subsequently, the jury found 61-year-old Simpson not guilty by a majority in December 2007. Right. So, he's found not guilty of the murder of Elizabeth McCabe. So her family, obviously, who had been present nearly every day of the trial, were gutted by the verdict. And Ali Reid of Tayside Police commented, Elizabeth's family are understandably disappointed at today's verdict. They understand and support the reasons behind the reinvestigation of Elizabeth's death and appreciate the efforts of those involved in bringing the matter to court. Detective Chief Inspector Ewan West said he was disappointed for the McCabe family at the verdict. Then the police went on to say that they were not looking for anyone else in the case, right. which they often do. Yeah, when, if... they say, when they're saying, right, you won't, we haven't managed to convict him, get a, con, get a conviction, but we're not looking for anyone else because we truly believe it's there. Yeah, it, I think it's their speak for that. Yeah, yeah. Now, the law on double jeopardy changed in Scotland in 2011. So this allowed previously acquitted subjects to be retried if new evidence materialised. And the McCabe case was subject to a new review. In 2013, Vincent Simpson told the media, police have no avenues to go down um, because they didn't, the media had informed him that a specialist unit were re-examining the murder. Yeah. Uh, I imagine it would be a cold case... Mm, review. Review squad, cold case squad. So... Vincent also revealed that he sometimes returns to the courtroom where his trial was to watch other trials from the public benches, saying that it brings back a lot of memories being in there. But I feel, this is a quote from him, I feel fine walking in and I don't don't go there to call up ghosts. I like watching the cases. I mean, it makes me wonder what cases he watches Mm. because there are some sick people in this world and they'll go... And they'll listen to rape cases where the victim's having to describe yeah, her attack. Yeah. It, you know, I'd like it would be interesting to see what cases he mm. actually. I, I doubt he'll go and sit through a fraud case where it's talking about embezzlement and no. all the maths and the accounting involved in that. 
So is he still alive and doing this then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he is. Now, he went on to insist that he wasn't angry or bitter towards the police, saying that Elizabeth's families are the ones who should be angry because they were let down. So Vincent went on to insist that he wasn't angry or bitter towards the police, saying that Elizabeth's families are the ones who should be angry because they were, quote, let down. Right. I can't imagine that the person that you believe has murdered your your child and that you rightly or wrongly think the police believe that as well mm. is walking around being interviewed by by newspapers free to live his life yeah making comments that you know oh. police let you down yeah commenting that, and like a, a sympathy false sympathy maybe and um, the, there hasn't been anything new come up i don't imagine maybe they found new evidence no. i think they would suffer from the same problem of it's about how it's collected and stored at the time and, and they can't get past that, can they? No. Any new jury is still going to hear that. It's going to be brought up. A jury's going to hear it. I just, I don't understand it. And this is just, I suppose, a parallel point that we've come across or you've mentioned before. I just don't understand how, if you're being judged by a, a jury of your peers, mm. how you can be, and you're, you're there to decide that verdict. Yeah. I don't... How can you be told that you've got to do this? You've got to. You can't just convict on DNA alone, because at the end of the day, they've they've entrusted that job to you, haven't they? You've been chosen to serve on that jury. They have, but I suppose the judge is there to maybe guide them, right? In the law, but but there's guiding and there's instructing, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. So, but you must be these decisions are made judges. I should imagine they're thinking. I should imagine anything that they do, they've always got in the back of the mind that they don't want to do anything or stop, re- refuse any requests from the defence um, that may, within reason, may cause a retrial or a, a, a loophole for them yeah. to then go back and say, oh, they didn't get a fair trial because of this, this wasn't said, that wasn't said. So I imagine it would it'd be some point of law like mm-hmm. that. But I do believe what you're right, and we do hear about people who've been convicted on a lot less. Yeah. Even if evidence points to the fact that they haven't been there or done that, they've been convicted on a lot less. I would find it hard, and I'd find it hard to... And I've never been a jury. No. I would find it hard to... Ignore that because I'd be thinking, yeah, the judge has said that, but I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that the DNA evidence, so that would give me the confidence in maybe making a decision I wouldn't be as confident without maybe. DNA. Yeah, yeah. There was, it was a majority, so I don't think everybody um, agreed that it wasn't him, but it's a majority verdict. Yeah. It's it's And that, that was, you know, he's been tried in front of his peers and he's been found not guilty. Obviously, the um, killer of Elizabeth McCabe is still free. Uh, nobody's been arrested or ch- charged since with her murder. And hopefully, you know, behind the scenes things are happening. I know when you when you read a lot about these things, it takes years sometimes. You're open and start looking at things and send evidence away. And it can take years. Mm. You know, before they get the results back, it is not a quick process. So hopefully the McCabe family will get some kind of closure and justice for the murder of their their daughter, Elizabeth. Okay, so that is the end of our podcast today. And I'd like to thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.